Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their organizations into industry leaders. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I am also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that our guest today is Tony Saldana. He is a globally recognized expert in global business services and information technology. He ran Procter & Gamble's famed multi-billion dollar GBS and IT operations in every region across the world during a 27-year career there. Tony has over three decades of international business expertise in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. He was named Computer World's Premier 100 IT Professionals List in 2013. His experiences include GBS design and operations, CIO positions, acquisitions and divestitures, outsourcing, disruptive innovation, and the creation of new business models. Tony is currently president of Transformant, a consulting operation that advises top companies around the world in digital transformation and global business services. He's a founder in two blockchain and AI companies and an advisor to venture capital companies. He is also the book, Why Digital Transformations Fail. So the outcome of our conversation today, 70% of all digital transformations fail in what is a trillion dollar industry. This is an existential threat in the fourth industrial revolution to companies. There's a disciplined checklist that can address this, just as disciplined approaches improve airline and medical industry reliability uh, have done so in the past and continue to improve that reliability as we see changes in those industries. So, Tony, welcome. I'm delighted that you're joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Very nice to be on the show. So we talked in the intro about the fourth industrial revolution. For people who don't know that term, what is the fourth industrial revolution? (laughs) That's a very good question, Maureen. Um, uh, They're not alone, by the way. I mean, uh, a few years ago when I first heard about this, it's like, wait a minute, you know, in school I heard about the industrial revolution. What happened to the other two? (laughs) Did I I sleep in school? Which which I probably did. But anyway, um, so the the first industrial revolution is what most people are familiar with, right? So steam engines and so on and so forth. Uh, The second industrial revolution, early 1900s, was uh, the the development of... um, uh, electricity and, and and then you know also the internal combustion engine. The third industrial revolution was actually the evolution of the internet in the eighties, uh, nineteens, and early arts. The fourth industrial revolution is where we are at today, and it probably started about a decade ago. Which what it does is it actually melds 
the physical, the biological, and the digital into creating completely new business models. So, for example, instead of brick and mortar, you have a combination of the physical, which is stores, and the electronic, which is online shopping. But it doesn't end there because, you know, you have drones, you have robots, you have, um, uh, you know, uh, robotic process automation and artificial intelligence that are changing not just the medical field, the logistics field, you know, business information field, uh, but then, you know, even our social lives, right? And so what's happening is, is that particular blending of all of those fields is what has been referred to by the World Economic Forum as the fourth industrial revolution. Great. Thank you. So, so you'd say that 70% of transformations fail. And I know from my work over the last uh, few decades also, that number seems to have been fairly consistent, which is troubling for those of us who have dedicated our professional lives to this field, that digital transformations are failing or fail, I assume, failing to deliver the business results they've promised Correct. At, at the same rate as ERP system implementations and business process re-engineering. How can that possibly be? Um, I, I think the, the, uh, the, the answer that I've discovered through, you know, this first of a kind uh, uh, research and, and practical hands-on work over three decades is that um, people make the same mistakes around digital transformation as they did with the ERP and other projects, right? Um, and uh, that's basically, <laughs> unsurprisingly, leading to the same percentage of failures. Um, I will give you an example. I mean, just kind of step back a little bit, if I may. Um, the, um, the, 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 the anecdote of the story I use uh, to, to kind of describe what happens in, in many corporate worlds is, uh, uh, honestly, Alice in Wonderland and the interaction, if you guys remember, uh, between Alice and the Cheshire Cat, where, you know, uh, Alice asks the Cheshire Cat, hey, which direction, where should I go? And the Cheshire Cat says, well, it depends on, you know, what your goal is, where do you want to get to? And Alice says, I'm not really sure uh, what my goal is. And then the Cheshire Cat says, well, it doesn't matter in that case, you know, uh, which, which direction you start going. And um, I know it sounds a little facetious, but, you know, that's not too far away from what's happening vis-a-vis digital transformation. So, you know, CEOs, boards, everybody's heard, you know, they need to do digital transformation. But you ask them a couple of really pointed questions and you start to see, you know, a big gap in their understanding of what digital transformation is, right? So is it the next version of SAP or is it, you know, completely new business models, right? And then the actual execution is the same old project management methodology and the PMI Institute stuff that has been used for about 30 or 40 or more years. And that's what is resulting, um, you know, um, uh, in the 70% uh, uh, failure rate. You know, it's interesting because I do work with PMI and I came out of Accenture. The problem wasn't that we managed projects poorly uh, because we did it really well. Yes. But there are a whole lot of other variables that go into the system beyond project management. So can you talk to a few of those? What, what are you seeing? In mine is uh, leadership certainly needs to update how they're thinking. So if I am leading from the old algorithm of the 1980s and implementing an ERP system, and I'm trying to implement robotic process automation, that thinking is going to be outdated. 
and then the other one I've seen is we fail to align the the changes we're making with the culture of the organization. So if I'm not changing leaders, processes, and culture, leadership thinking, processes, and culture, and aligning those doesn't matter how good I am at project management, I'm still going to be incomplete. Are you seeing something similar? What am I missing? Um, you've got it. Um, you know, obviously you've done your homework with the book as well. But um, I, I think the, the short answer uh, on what PMI and project management um, uh, misses and has continued to miss um, is two things. Um, one is working from the outcome backwards. And the outcome, more often than not, is defined as a technical or technology implementation, right? Uh, but by redefining digital transformation as an industrial revolution issue, um, you know, what, what I uh, encourage people to do is think of digital transformation as anything that needs to change in their company, people, processes, and technology, uh, but in that particular order, uh, in order for them to thrive in the fourth industrial revolution, right? Um, so, so one is that perspective, which is set your goals right, yeah? And then the second is the actual methodology. Um, uh, you're exactly right that PMI focuses on what project managers can do vis-a-vis -vis their own activities and doesn't guide people enough on organizational change, strategy sufficiency, uh, change management models, um, you know, uh, uh, risk assessment that goes beyond their projects into the broader company and so on and so forth, right? And so those are what I call uh, disciplines, executional disciplines, which need to be very different for digital transformation. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example uh, uh, related to that. Um, what I learned from, you know, uh, a discussion and, 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 and a calibration with 30 different, I mean, 100 different organizations, including VCs and, and um, uh, large companies and startups and so on and so forth, is that the successful ones that drive digital transformation, look at digital transformation almost like a venture capital in a portfolio of many ideas. Some of them are high risk, high return. Some of them are medium and then, you know, low, respectively. And by looking at it as a portfolio game rather than a project management game, they end up with very different outcomes. That seems really interesting because we know that, you know, gone are the days where we do an implementation and then regroup and do the next one. We continually have a suite of changes. Even in my small company, we have several projects running at the same time and I have to be managing across all of the changes if we're to succeed, otherwise they undo and get us wrapped around the axle way too quickly. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly true. Um, and and um, I, I refer to uh, digital transformation essentially as, as a five-stage spectrum, with stage five being what I call living DNA, uh, which is when you change not once, but change uh, continuously, like Netflix has done, right? So this is Netflix is in the fourth iteration of change, right? From mail-in DVDs to streaming content to you know original um, uh, uh, productions, and you know now international uh, uh, variations, right? And so they've 
basically disrupted themselves, quite frankly, you know, four times in the, in the last uh, 10 or, or 20 years, right? Um, the other day, actually on Saturday, when I had this book launch event uh, for my new book, in Cincinnati, one of the folks there asked me a question around, hey, you know, do you remember when MapQuest used to be the most disruptive thing, right? <laughs> we, yes. We, we threw out our Rand McNally maps, and then, you know, everybody said, I'm just going to have a, my PC print my directions. And then he said, I recently went to MapQuest, and I absolutely hated it. You know, there's so many things on the screen and, you know, it, it was just completely useless. And, and, and that's a great example of what you're talking about, which is we need to do perpetual transformation, not a one time. And then when we think about adding leaders and how we transform ourselves as leaders, you know, we, we are often so focused on changing the stuff we lead that we don't think about continually evolving our internal algorithm and thought process to match the stuff we're leading, we're just focusing so often externally because there's so much to keep up with. Oh my God, that is so right. Um, you know, there's there's been uh, a, a couple of really key articles um, uh, published in, in HBR that talk about um, one of the biggest hindrances to digital transformation being the board uh, board of directors. Uh, lack of uh, education vis-a-vis -vis digital transformation, right? Um, so it's actually interesting because I think maybe for one of the first times in history now, um, the, 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 the education of the leadership may be letting their organizations down, um, which, which really you know, goes to the point that you're making around digital literacy. Ah, interesting. Okay. So, so it is actually our leaders that are, and that's been my hypothesis, but I haven't read the HBR article, that if our, if our executives and our boards aren't, haven't, don't continually evolve their thought process, they are actually hampering the progress of the entire organization. Yes. Um, so, so that was the proposition there. And, um, uh, and, and, and I think that, that kind of makes sense because, um, I mean, you know, again, CEOs, CXOs, boards are, are obviously very, very smart individuals, right? Correct. Um, but, you know, um, the, the, the fact of the matter is during an industrial revolution, you know, especially one like this, um, technology changes so rapidly that and, and, and then, you know, what makes things worse is the sales guys of these technologies, you know, hype up stuff, right? So AI can do anything, right? And, and so before you know it, <laughs> people start to say, well, wait a minute, I need to discount it, right? So, you know, in reality, if you look at most boards and, and, um, and, and, and CEOs, you know, their first responsibility is, of course, to do no harm, right? So mm -hmm. they, they will focus on, you know, cybersecurity and, you know, not showing up on the front page of the New York Times in a bad way, you know, so on and so forth, right? Um, the second will be, you know, let's deliver the results, right? Because that's mm -hmm. what stakeholders and Wall Streets demand. Yeah? And then the third is basically let's transform ourselves. And to all of their credit, digital transformation has become the number one item on their agenda. Mm -hmm. The lack of education shows up in what they do next, right? So they will then hand this over to either the IT function 
or to consultants or to, you know, anybody that seems to know what they're talking about uh, in yeah. the company and say, all right, let's do something in AI, let's do something in blockchain and so on and so forth. And where they're letting people down in terms of digital literacy is in educating themselves on the practices that they need to adopt on digital transformation. So how do you make that a strategy, not a set of pilots that, you know, pop up and down all the time? Mm-hmm. How do you make that a, you know, uh, workforce of the future effort, you know, not just a let's hire a few people, you know, that know AI, right? And that's where they're letting people down. So on that note, let's go to break. And for our listeners to think about while we are on break and um, preparing for our next segment, where are you transforming you as the listeners, transforming your organizations or yourself with regard to digital literacy and being ready for the future? This is Maureen Metcalf and Tony Saldana, and we are talking about why digital transformations fail. We'll be back momentarily. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You are joining Maureen Metcalf and Tony Saldana, and we are talking about Tony's book, Why Digital Transformations Fail. So, Tony, when you were at P&G, you ran a multi-billion dollar operation globally, and, um, and P&G is known as one of the most innovative companies. So, what caused you to take on the challenge of disrupting your operations? That seems like a, a gutsy move. Yeah, um, that's a great question, Maureen. Um, you know, I, 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 you're, you're right. I mean, uh, PNG's global business services and IT uh, is 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 renowned in the industry. I mean, uh, as as you know, been awarded as awarded as best in class and so on and so forth, right? Um, but you know, there's a couple of things. One is, um, 
you know, as, as, as we were talking about earlier, there's no such thing as you transform yourself and you rest on your laurels, right? So there's always a next stage. And, and what started to worry me was when I asked the people in the industry and the consultants, what's the next stage of evolution of global business services? They kept saying, no, there's three stages and you guys are already at stage three, so keep doing what you're doing, which um, didn't seem like a very good answer. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the, uh, the, the other issue that I had was, quite frankly, when I started to look at cost and agility benchmarks, um, yes, absolutely, PNG's global business services vis-a-vis other large companies was far ahead in terms of superiority. But then when I started to look at where the PNG business, so not IT or GBS, uh, global business services, but where the business was focusing its attention on, it was the startups. And startups have a very different cost and agility benchmark, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that led us to ask the question about, hey, you know, are we benchmarking against the right set of competitors? And if we need to benchmark against the startups, then perhaps we need to find the next stage of evolution of our own industry. So how did you do that? So I, I hear you benchmarked against different people. My assumption is in some cases you pull from what you learn in the benchmarking. In other cases, you're actually becoming, you're creating the benchmark where it doesn't exist. Yes. Um, I mean, in, in reality, we had to create the next um, phase of evolution of the global business service and IT industry. And, and the way we did that was um, we said, um, we are essentially going to become an applied disruption organization, a 10x, 10 times, not 10%, uh, applied innovation organization modeled around Google X, which is, you know, Google's driverless car and balloon internet, you know, type of organization, right? And to do that, um, we created an industry ecosystem. So I invited our top five um, uh, IT vendors, um, you know, the, the IBMs and HPs and others to come and put in their own money and people. Uh, we wouldn't pay them. Um, and um, we took PNG's biggest strategic um, opportunities in the shared services area. So, you know, how would you... Uh, do 10 times an improvement in something as mundane as, you know, accounts receivables or in, you know, uh, 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 or, or in help desk, right? And then we would use design thinking and other kind of capabilities to come out with the ideas. And then we would then lean upon the third leg of the resourcing, which was we connected with, you know, uh, thousands of startups through our relationship with the, the biggest venture capitalists um, in the world, the end recent sequoias and so on and so forth. So we would say, hey, you know, we think there is an opportunity to completely blow up the way the world does, uh, let's say, travel and expense reports, right? Why should that even exist as a process? You know, do you have any startups that are disrupting? And then, you know, we would get some information that would give us the building blocks of what we could construct. Then we would go to our big scale partners, uh, you know, the big IT companies and say, we have an idea on how this could happen. We will offer you PNG as a playing ground to actually develop and test the product. Um, if you're successful, I will actually give you the intellectual property uh, and software to sell elsewhere, but I'm not going to give you money. And then, you know, let's do it. Let's get it done. So in that case, are you buying the startups 
or how, how do they play in the ecosystem? I understand transferring the IP from the small guys to the big guys who can scale it. Yeah, so um, the way to kind of think about it is that um, the startups would give us, let's say, individual Lego blocks, right? Because the challenge in a large company is these are very, very complex processes. So, you know, let's take travel and expenses. You know, you might need a dozen different quote-unquote Lego blocks, you know, something that disrupts the way scanning is done of receipts, something that, you know, does completely different, um, you know, let's say, uh, infosec type of stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, something that does taxation reporting differently. And so those would be different Lego blocks. So what we would do is use design thinking of our own understanding of processes at PNG to string those Lego blocks together along with, you know, some additional new stuff that we create, cement between them, so to speak. And so for the startups, they were basically getting a very large company as a client, right? We, uh, we would buy, obviously, those capabilities if they fit, right? So that was their win. For the large companies, what I was giving them was essentially the design of how all of these Lego blocks, you know, could be strung together. And the IP that I would give them was actually not the IP of the startups, which was not mine to own, but the IP of how to create a solution that, you know, could be created using applied pieces that existed today, but then could be patented as a string of different capabilities. So that in and of itself seems incredibly innovative, that approach of where to go to startups, where to go to VCs, how to pull it together using design thinking, and then how to scale it in the large company ecosystem. Yeah, we, we, we think so. I mean, um, I, you know, never underestimate what the world can do. But I hadn't thought about or heard of any other companies doing something quite like that. And, you know, we, we kind of stumbled our way into it. But, uh, yeah, as far as I know, I think it was uh, a first of its kind. And are you still using that kind of construct? It sounds like you're not at P&G anymore. You're working with VCs and running your own couple of companies and consulting. Are you still using that kind of construct in your current work? Yes, I am. Uh, Among my very uh, different set of hobbies, one of them is essentially the same model uh, scaled up so multiple companies could benefit from this. So then let's move to the reason that digital transformations fail, and I'm assuming that's pretty heavily connected to what you were just talking about. Yes. Um, you know, when, when, when you're looking at something like uh, disrupting yourself, um, you know, inevitably you say, is this sufficient for me to, you know, disrupt two or three areas, you know, travel and expenses or supply chain planning and accounts receivables? And the answer is no, you know, you, you have to do much more than that, which then leads you to the broader digital transformation issue. Um, and the short answer uh, on why digital transformations fail, uh, at least in my experience over three decades, is um, one single word, discipline. I think... Most Hmm. people assume that digital transformation is either about technology or it is about, um, you know, doing very, very large projects differently. And it is not. I think it is first and foremost about crystal clarity on what the end goal looks like. So, you know, 
I am a you know brick and mortar company. My success in this space could be you know I'm going to be a an omni-channel brick and mortar and online you know it, within three years or five years you know whatever it is right. Um, okay. So that crystal clarity of goal setting, uh, which has got everything to do with business strategy and nothing to do with technology. And then the second thing is the execution, which is I, I, I think the, the, the largest challenge for anybody doing digital transformation is mind space and capacity. You know, it's a crazy world out there. My, my time is already taken up. Just mm-hmm. doing day-to-day work, and then how on earth do I actually create the capacity to execute on top of that, right? Uh, a, a transformative kind of effort, right? And so that's really, you know, the, the discipline. There is a way to do this. You know, Google does that. Netflix does that. Um, you know, some very, very small mom-and-pop uh, uh, companies do that, right? At Next Generation Services, which is the organization that I created, we did that too. And so being extremely disciplined about following a, uh, a, a portfolio approach that includes high-risk, high-return, medium, and low-risk, low-return kind of initiatives uh, as a portfolio, including operations, is, is uh, in a disciplined way is the answer to do that. So then what stops highly innovative companies like GE and highly experienced leaders like past CEO Jeff Immelt from digitally transforming themselves? It sounds like there is a proven approach to do this, but a lot of people, if 70% of transformations fail, clearly they're not following something that is well enough defined that they should be able to have better results. Yes. No, that, that, that is absolutely true. And, and, and to be fair to them, I think there is a proven approach, um, but it is an evolving proven approach. Um, okay. I, I honestly think that, that the book, which, you know, my book that I just um, uh, wrote, uh, is a first of a kind in the sense that it actually uh, takes this proven approach and strings it together based on experiences in very system I mean in, in very specific places, you know, in companies and in the world where this has been used and then, you know, tries to make it available to everybody. Right. So um so back to your question on on, on what stops people. Um firstly I think is um this is uh, an, an evolutionary journey. So you know the whole methodology around how to follow this in a disciplined manner exists but it is not widely known. Right, um, so it exists in obviously Netflix. It exists in you know newspapers, um, uh, in 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 uh, um, uh, the Nordics that that have reinvented themselves. It exists in the in uh, Singapore's government, which which has number one uh, in in the world in terms of digital capability. But it is not widely known. So I think that's issue number one. Um, the, the the second is that um, you know um, there are possible failure points, uh, and I'm going to use uh, GE's example of, you know, where they failed, um, GE should get an incredible amount of credit for essentially getting to uh, what I call stage three in my five-stage digital transformation model, which is creating a corporate consistent strategy and declaring that they will go digital, right? Um, where they failed was in strategy sufficiency, both in terms of making sure that their disruptive organization had enough degrees of freedom 
to innovate and you know enough money and other resources in order to do that right so g digital was essentially a, an, an organization that first and foremost was an internal IT organization and internal projects organization that had to meet all of the needs of the business units. And then secondly, they had to actually come out with a new product um, that would change the industry. That's a tall order for anybody, right, uh, to do that uh, continuously. And then secondly, that's an impossible order for anybody when because of other deals that were constructed, you know, acquisitions, divestitures, and stuff like that, the company starts to run tight on money, right? And that's where they sputtered at stage three, right? Um, so those are all of the checklist elements that, you know, I've tried to build into the five-stage model and, and try and make a checklist available on what to watch out for. So we've got a couple more minutes in this segment. Can you give us just an overview of what are the five stages? So the five stages are, um, stage one is, um, is, is essentially a foundation, right? Um, you know, think of it as automation. So, you know, you use SAP to, 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 to basically uh, automate the, the routines of marketing or finance or, you know, so on and so forth, right? Stage two is what I call um, uh, siloed, um, which is where maybe, you know, one or two departments see the disruptive power of technology. You know, maybe the finance manager says, hey, there's some cool stuff that's possible in finance with blockchain. Let me try something. Stage three is partial uh, uh, transformation, which is where, as with GE, um, you know, there is a corporate-wide strategy that's developed that says this is what we're going to be in the future right uh, but they haven't finished executing against that stage four is actually uh, a full transformation where the company actually has moved to a different business model as a result of this digital transformation but what they haven't done is completed the changing of the culture uh, to become the living dna of um uh, of, of change on a going basis. This is the point you were making earlier, Maureen, uh, and that's essentially stage five, which is where digital technology becomes the living DNA of the company. That's really helpful. So, so I'm just going to reiterate a little bit. The goal is not only do I define projects and what it looks like, but that I become an evolutionary organism, so to speak, that, that, continuing evolution is is in my DNA and my culture and where we are perpetually looking for what's next and taking it on in a structured, disciplined way. Is that an accurate restate? Oh, that's very well said. I, I, I definitely want to talk to you the next time I write a book. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're quite kind. Um, <laughs> for our listeners, I would invite you to think about where on that five-stage process are you and where would you like to be? We'll be right back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Tony Saldana, and we are talking about why digital transformations fail. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You're with Maureen Metcalf and Tony Saldana. So, Tony, you mentioned in the book that the opposite of discipline transformation is innovation theater, which is stuff like Silicon Valley tours of executives or startup innovation labs. Is this true? And um, don't these actions have a place in innovation strategies? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, they do have a place in, in uh, innovation strategy. Um, but, you know, the, the, the point I want to make is around strategy sufficiency, right? Um, so, so here's what happens in most companies. And, and I work very closely with, with uh, several companies that actually run uh, these innovation tours in Silicon Valley, right? And, and these companies try and do a real heroic job to prepare these companies uh, that are visiting Silicon Valley to say, hey, you know, we're going to show you a lot of cool stuff. It's going to blow your mind. But what sticks with you has got to be not the trappings of Silicon Valley because you don't live in California. You know, you live in Iowa or you live in Cincinnati, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You have to think about how to apply this in your own way. And that's what does not happen. So I'll give you an example, right? Um, so in the early 2000s, um, you know, what most people seem to take away from the, the, the dot-com stuff was, you know, like foosball tables and um, informal clothing, right? Um, I mean, among other things, but... Um, but that that Eggs. was not a success. Exactly, kegerators. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, um, and, um, and 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 these days, um, what tends to happen is, you know, the CEO comes in, you know, along with his or her leadership team to Silicon Valley, goes visit some of these places. They go back to their organization, and then the rest of the organization, you know, the next level, which is a little bit frozen in time, starts to say, "Hey, well, wait a minute. Okay, um, you know." 
let's do something to learn. So we'll set up an outpost or whatever it is. And that poor outpost then gets absolutely killed by the rest of the immune system, right? So that's mm-hmm. what I mean when I say that, you know, Silicon Valley tourism is the opposite of the discipline that you need. Because what you need is then a conversation about what is the future business model? How do you basically set up a disciplined new methodology for executing a portfolio of changes that sweeps the whole company? How do you create you know, um, uh, digital literacy? How do you create the future of work in your own company? And, and that discipline is missing when people basically kick the can down the road and say, well, let's just set up something in Silicon Valley and figure out which way to go later. So, so what I think I hear you saying then is you still need to go through the five stages. So I go on vacation or I go to a conference and I or I read an HBR article and say we should all do X. One, if it's contrary to my culture, it's going to fail and it's going to ooze energy in ways, steal energy in yeah. ways that are just disruptive. Yes. So it sounds like this is information gathering that then I put through my disciplined algorithm of transformation. You've got it exactly right again. Um, I mean, you know, uh, change, real digital transformation can only come from within the company, right? Um, And most leaders in those companies understand um, the culture of the company. They understand the immune system. They understand how many degrees of freedom they have. Uh, to drive the change. They understand how urgent it is or how much time they have. And translating the future that they have seen in, in the Silicon Valley visit into the strategy, you know, using some kind of a discipline checklist or, you know, any kind of methodology mm-hmm. is exactly what needs to happen. So you've talked a couple times about the the corporate immune system, and that's a phrase I really like. Can you share with our listeners how you're defining that? Yes. Um, so um, here's the way to kind of think about it. In most organizations, right, it's very easy to get the, the top of the company all excited about the future because that's what their, you know, uh, jobs uh, to do. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's also very easy to get, you know, um, the, the new hires and the relatively new people in the company um, because, I mean, they come from another generation, right? It is the middle of the company which, um, you know, constitutes in most cases the, the, the immune system. Now, um, it's a good term. It's actually a better term than uh, the other one which is used, which is the frozen middle, because I think the frozen middle is a little bit pejorative. Um, the fact of the matter is the company's reward system rewards stability and consistency mm-hmm. in results, and that's what the middle of the company does day in, day out, right? Mm-hmm. And so to go and then accuse them of essentially being you know, uh, people that resist change is, is, I think, simplistic. So what needs to happen in most companies is the leadership really needs to translate reward systems and create new processes for that middle of the organization to figure out when to drive stability and when to drive innovation. I'll give you an example. Google does this brilliantly. They have this formula called 70-20-10, which is 70% of the capacity in day-to-day jobs, right? 20% on continuous improvement and 10% on disruption, right? Most companies don't even have that distinction between 
continuous improvement and disruption, right? Leave alone reward systems for each of those. No, in fact, we're still living in the time of do more with less. Let me give you more work to do, less time, in (laughs) some cases, fewer resources. Oh, yeah, and then we want you to go be innovative and disruptive. Of course. (laughs) It it, it is a failing formula, which, again, back to your 70% failure, it's not shocking when we don't resource people properly, which ties back to your example of GE. Yes, exactly. So can you share some examples from your experience in P&G where you drove the 10x, so 10 times, not 10% innovation? Yeah, so um, uh, we started with uh, working on areas that were completely within our control. And within our control at, at P&G Global Business Services was internal business operations. So everything from finance, HR, supply chain, uh, IT, you know, so on and so forth, right? So some of the kind of questions that we asked ourselves, and each of these ideas had to be at least a 10x or a $50 million opportunity. Otherwise, we were not interested in incremental stuff, right? Um, so for internal business operations, we got into questions such as, um, why should we continue to do supply chain planning, the old traditional MRP to way that treats um, as silos you know, demand forecasting, demand planning, manufacturing, so on and so forth. Why would we not replan the entire supply chain for a product, you know, let's say tied end to end across the whole world, right? And so that was an experiment that we ran uh, in a much smaller category. It was successful. Uh, and then, you know, we've, we basically offered that as a co-development opportunity to a very, very large IT company that plays in this space. Um, Another example was, um, you know, why don't we build, um, you know, complete transparency in an area of ocean shipping, you know, import, export, um, uh, transportation, right? So large companies like PNG spend hundreds of millions of dollars, if if not billions in this particular space. And then... um, You know, there's a lot of loss. If you're shipping raw materials or goods from, you know, one corner of the world to another, you Mm -hmm. go through local transporters, you know, customs, freight forwarders, you know, where is the ship in the world, you know, so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunately, uh, 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 the ocean liner company, Maersk and IBM, were building all of that data on a blockchain, Uh, except that, you know, we're a little crazy or we were a little crazy in my previous job. And we said, okay, yeah, fine, that's disruptive. But can you make a 10x out of that disruption? And we asked the the provocative question, which is, hey, if you have that perfect information, why would you continue to run uh, invoicing as a process? Uh, Because think about it. You know, you're buying a piece of material from, you know, let's say Vietnam. Uh, you know what your payment to them should be for a given quantity. And now you have perfect information of all of the costs in the transportation, you know, customs, freight forwarders, ocean liners, stuff like that. Um, you know exactly what you got when the goods reach you. Why would you ever need that supplier and everybody else to waste their time creating invoices and your organization, you know, taking time to process them? Why would you not auto-invoice, right? So these are the kind of examples uh, that, that we got into. So we have a few minutes, and one of the things I, I love for our listeners to be able to take away is, irrespective of size of business or where they are in the globe, do you have one, two, three suggestions that someone could put into practice today, tomorrow, next month 
to help their digital transformations. And, and I'm assuming, again, this goes back to your five stages and the idea of discipline and methodologies. Yes, I do. Um, and, 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 and I'm glad you, you made that comment about regardless of size. Um, here's, um, here's, here's the thing. I actually think that digital transformation is a bigger opportunity for smaller and more agile companies um, because they can actually move faster, right? Um, so this is something that applies to all kinds of companies. But back to your question, there are three things that every organization, every leader absolutely needs to do, right? First and foremost, ask yourself, um, you know, what is the right goal that you're trying to set? Uh, and, and, and kicking off a pilot or an innovation you know, center is, is not a goal. Think in terms of Wall Street metrics or, you know, stakeholder metrics, right? Uh, and, and, the ex- and be extremely disciplined about doing that and, and then translating that into a strategy that affects the entire company. Um, the second thing is think of the Google 70-20-10, and, and, and by the way, it doesn't have to be exactly those percentages, but think in terms of the three buckets of day-to-day work, continuous improvement and disruption, and make sure that you're actually resourcing appropriately and driving accountable results for each of those three, right? And then the third is, you know, set up an HR uh, strategy for the future of your own organization, your people, change management, you know, the skill sets that's required, digital literacy. Um, And these are something that are equally applicable regardless of size of company. Thank you. I think that's really helpful. And I invite our listeners at the end of each show to think about what they've heard that they will take back and put into action. So again, I'm going to read these back just so people hear them. Um, set clear goals. So be extremely disciplined in not just I went to a workshop and wouldn't this be cool, but what does that actually look like when it's successfully implemented? And at the end of the project, I can pull out that business case and validate that I've met it. The second is resource appropriately. So think Google 70-20-10, so 70% current work, 20% continuous improvement, 10% disruption, or whatever is appropriate for uh, your enterprise. And the third is set up HR strategies, people, change management, digital literacy, all of the people related. And I think earlier you said people, process, and technology in that order that we need to address um, the the unfortunate term of the frozen middle, but the, the people in the middle who are charged with continuing to keep the trains running on time and driving profit and meeting customer goals and at the same time transforming the business, in some cases inappropriately resourced. Absolutely. Um, so one minute, what's next for you? Oh, my God. Um, so the book actually just came out last week. And, and so <laughs> I, uh, I'm so give it a couple of weeks. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I need to get this out. Um, and, and I think, honestly, this is an opportunity of historic proportion. So I actually, for the next three months, I, I, I'm going to be like quite literally all over the world, um, you know, on book promotion tour and things like that. And the follow up activities on, you know, some some consulting. 
So thank you for sharing your time with us. I want to do a quick summary and then give you a minute to share your contact information. So digital transformation can be made routinely successful and is more important than ever now that we're in the fourth industrial revolution. So the lines between physical, digital, digital and biological worlds are becoming blurred. This doesn't eliminate the fact that 70% of transformation fail. In fact, it, it contributes to that idea. And the failure, as you've said so beautifully, isn't due to the technology or innovation itself, but it comes down to the details, the discipline, the people, the processes, the lack of clear goals, and, and aligning people around those and culture to achieve the goals. And so for people interested in learning more I highly endorse and recommend Tony's book, Why Digital Transformations Fail. Tony, can you tell us, you've said the book has just come out. Where would people find it? I'm assuming Amazon, but where would they also find you? Um, yeah, so so the book itself is available, um, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, you know, Walmart, Target, you know, anywhere where you can get the book. Um, available physical copies, PDF, audio, all at the same time. Um, I should mention that it, it is actually right now number one on new releases on Amazon on organizational change. Um, so that's not too shabby for uh, a first week. But um, uh, in terms of getting in touch with me... Um, uh, you can find me at my company, uh, which is Transformant. The website is transformant.io. So that's the two words, transform and the insect ant. Mush them together into one, that transform. <laughs> and then I-O as in India, Oscar. Uh, and then uh, you can also go uh, type in why digital transformations fail.com. Uh, and uh, that's the book website. Wonderful. Tony, thank you so much for sharing your insight with our listeners. For our listeners, I really do encourage you pick up the book and consider from what you have heard in this interview, how might you put some of Tony's recommendations in practice immediately in your organization? To contact us, please in, email me at info at innovateleader.com or I can be found at Innovating Leadership on Facebook or on LinkedIn under Maureen Metcalf. If you have questions or comments, just send me a message directly. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you connect with us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.